Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys.
We came before God as a staff, and we just asked him to meet us here in this place. We just asked for a fresh, upper-room experience. I'm not talking about the amazing church in Dallas or the great worship music. I'm talking about Acts chapter 2. We just asked him that we could join with the global body and bride of Christ, that we could make no other aim, no other goal, no other no other target to hit this morning than encountering the presence of God. And the presence of God, he has a name. His name is the Holy Spirit. So I hope since we already believe in Jesus, we bend the knee, we made him the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's my hope and my prayer this morning that we have already dealt with the questions and the things that we have with God of how in the world am I to believe in this supernatural, unforeseeable, force-like object called the Holy Spirit. Because friends, he is. He's not a force-like object. He's not fairy dust. He's not when your hair stands up on your arms, although that's a pretty cool moment with God. Holy Spirit is a person. Our God is three and one, one and three. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And right now, seriously, I just I went back there during worship. I gave you that. I just and that go food I put new scripture there because I'm not sure where God's going today. But I want to go with him there. Will you go with yeah, me there? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at Acts chapter 2, you'll see in Acts chapter 1, ahead of it, Jesus is with his disciples. And Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's already kicked the devil in the teeth. He's already taken the keys back to eternity. He has already ascended back to earth. And he is on his way to heaven, but he makes a pit stop in Acts 1. And he goes to his disciples. And Jesus, they see the holes in his hands, the hand holes in his feet, and they see the scars on his body, but they don't recognize the man in front of him because he has been made new. He's been made whole. He's been restored to his seat on high at the right hand of God with his perfect body. But the scars remain so that his church would know he did. Yeah. So that his church would know if my God said he would do it, by God, my God did it. Yeah, come on. By God, my God did it. Jesus meets with his disciples. He tells them. He tells them after three years of ministry, three years of life with them, of going and preaching and delivering and providing, spreading the good news, he tells them probably something very, very different for them, much like maybe your experience here in church today. 
where we just throw the playbook out the window for a second and we let God do what God does. Because Jesus, he tells them, we're going to go into all the world. This thing right now, now that I've gone to hell, I've done the thing, this deal, man, we're going global. We're going worldwide. This is going to everybody. No longer is the kingdom of God only for the Jews, only for Israel. But we are going to the Gentiles. We are going to the heathens. We are going to the people who are far from God everywhere. Yeah. And as you can imagine, the disciples were stoked. Like, let's go. And Jesus goes, I'm not going with you. Well, hold up, Jesus. What do you mean you're not going with me? You just said, we're going worldwide. What do you mean you're not going with me? Thought you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me, Jesus. I thought that's what this was about, Jesus. You, me for life, Jesus. Building your church for you, Jesus. How are we going to have a church for Jesus if Jesus isn't there? What do you mean? Jesus goes, it's better. It's better that I go. Right. Thomas is over here like, yeah. Christian joke. <laughs> you didn't get it? You ain't been to church long enough. <laughs> Jesus said it's better that I go. John, his boys, like I get to lean up against my homie and I get to talk to the God of the universe. I just get to rest in your presence. What do you mean you've got to go? Peter's like, who else is going to clean up the ears after I chop them off? Who's going to clean up my mistakes? Who's going to be there to grab me by the hand when I get out of the boat and I take you at your word and I try to walk on water? Who's going to grab me, Jesus? Shred on serpents and not be stung? Yeah, 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 we did it. Then believe me that it's better that I go. Did you believe me that I cursed the fig tree the next morning it surely withered and died? Then believe me when I tell you it's better that I go. But Jesus, we've had three years with you. We fed multitudes. You used us to do miracles. We fed 4,000 and 5,000 men and women and children. We've done all these amazing things. How will the church progress without you? Yeah, but don't you remember when I said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? That's my point, Jesus. That's my point. How are you going to build what you're not around for? Jesus says in Acts chapter 2, Tell you what, I've got to go. My hour, my time here, it's up. But there is another. There is another. Somebody say, there is another. There is another. There is another. My favorite thing about God 
is that no matter what he's doing, he's always raising the expectation of his people. Right. He's always calling us higher. He's always calling us deeper. He's always calling us wider. He's always raising our expectation. He's always giving us to faith. He's always giving us the glory to glory and to glory. We go from strength to strength and glory to glory with our God. This is who he is. And so when he says this next statement, his friends, his disciples, his brothers, his cousins, they can truly trust what he says when he says, stay in Jerusalem. Jesus, I'm not think this makes any sense. Maybe you are a crazy Messiah. Maybe you are a crazy rabbi. Maybe you aren't who we thought you were. Maybe you are who the Pharisees proclaim that you are. Have you ever been there, church? You ever been there where you feel like you got a word from heaven, where you feel like you need provision from heaven, where you feel like you need healing from heaven, where you feel like your circumstances are, me are, are meshing up and matching up with scripture? Have you ever been there? You're like, Jesus said this, but I'm experiencing this. Have you ever been there? Yes. Because I have. But God makes good all his word. Yes. Because you see what happens here is Acts chapter 2 and that. You can go ahead and throw that up on the screen. There's 47 verses and we ain't got time for all of them. But Acts chapter 2 happens just like this. There they were. All together, right? When the day of Pentecost arrived, there they were. All together in one place. Thanks, Nat. Next one. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Nat. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Verse 4, Nat. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Friends. Friends. Those three years that they spent with Jesus, where Peter made mistakes and Jesus cleaned them up, where Thomas had all the doubt in the world, but Jesus met all of his expectations, where John was so sure of who Jesus was that he wrote the clearest, most concise gospel that we have so that the message of Jesus can get out, not just to Jews and not just to Greeks, but to all people. Yeah. And we got all these disciples in between. Matthew, the shit the tax collector who I named after. Go figure. <laughs> and we have this moment. We have this moment where for three years they witnessed. Three years they were assisted to do what Jesus was telling them to do. For three years they saw the model for heaven of what a man and a woman of Jesus submitted fully to the Holy Spirit can and should walk like, talk like, believe like, yeah. and pray like. Amen. Yeah. That's good. So suddenly Jesus says, I got to go. Well, where do you got to be? Well, my time's up. It's your time now. It's your time now. Jesus, how can you say that? Because the world needs you. 
The world needs you. How can that be? Because I'm Jesus, I'm fully man, and I'm fully God. What does that mean? That means he came as a man, a literal man, who is still fully God, but he submitted to his manness. And then when he submitted to his manness, he submitted his manness, his humanness, to the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? No, a little ahead, just go with me, okay? What does that mean? That means Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by the devil, where he was like, yeah, but doesn't scripture say this? Yeah, but doesn't God say this? Couldn't you just throw yourself off this and an angel would catch you? Couldn't you just make that rock and bread? Couldn't you do this? Couldn't you do that? Couldn't you do that? All those things that you and I would probably do. Shoot, I'm hungry. I want some bread. I'm going to fly with some angels. That'd be cool. Let's go. I could easily go into that. But Jesus being fully man and fully God, he showed us the way. He said, until I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. Walk as I walk. Talk as I talk. Pray like I pray. Believe like I believe. Go where I go. Stay away from where I don't go. Watch me. So for three years, they sat underneath this. And Acts chapter 2 happens. Could you imagine? Could you imagine you spent three years with God in the universe? He hung the stars. He made the planets. He spoke you into existence. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. He knit you together in your mother's womb. This is what the Bible tells us, right? He ordered your steps. He's for you. He has made you. He has planned you. You are not an accident or a mistake or happenstance today. You are not the collision of strangers. You are God's child. And for three years, you spent underneath Jesus learning what it was like to truly be human. Because, friends, the chief goal of heaven with Jesus, church, it was never to come and dress you up. It was never to come and make you look the part. It was never to come so we could just fill a room on Sundays. The chief concern of heaven is that you would live like, breathe like, act like, believe like, pray like, sleep like, rest like, expect like. Jesus. So here you are, you're in the upper room. It says, there they are, they're gathered. All of them together, the 12 disciples, the 11 disciples, sorry, Jesus, they're all there in their room, and they get together, and they bring some people along with them. Maybe there were some people who were watching. Maybe there were some people who came along the way from all the miracles. Maybe Jairus was there with his daughter. Who knows, but there's an early church happening. And I can't imagine it was any bigger than this room. Hi, <laughs> come on, give us a book. And here they are. And they don't know why. They can't comprehend. Because they spent three years with one expectation. And then the God of the universe switches it up on them. I thought we were going to do this 
together, Jesus, it gets even better. And so those who are bold enough, faithful enough, those who are radically changed by Jesus, they said, yeah. yeah. It may not make sense. I may not understand this. I may not be able to comprehend this. But I'll wait. And I'll stay. God has proven himself faithful this far. He can have this moment. I wonder what that would be like, church. I know it's I know it's so vogue. I think it's really in right now. Dare I say, I think in the Christian charismatic Pentecostal non-denominational world, it's sexy to say, let's be the Acts chapter 2 church. Let's be the Acts chapter 4 church. Let's just get back to the upper room. Friends, Heaven's plan for the church of 2021 is not that we would be again in that upper room. But that upper room would be every room for the believer. It is not that we would just deconstruct and we would break down our beliefs, that we would question our experiences, we would decide what we can keep from scripture and what we shouldn't, that we would just throw out the canonized Bible, come on somebody, we would not just do this and we would strip it all down and return to just Jesus loving the poor and loving the widows and throw out all the supernatural and just get back to what the world is saying. Isn't that just the gospel? gospel was a setup for the upper room. And the upper room was a setup for the day of Pentecost. And here in this room today, what I am asking for, what I'm believing for, what I'm expecting from heaven is what I guess I'll probably title this little conversation that we're having. That's Pentecost again. That's Pentecost again. What does it look like for a body of believers to gather in a room with one call, with one goal, with one aim, and it being just meeting with Jesus? What does that look like? What does that look like in 2021? What if we were a church today, friends? What if Takeover Church decides, you know what? We're going to praise God. We're going to be the kind of people that will praise God. Come on, somebody. We're going to praise God whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley low. Because if he never did another thing for our lives, he sent Jesus for us and he gave up his Holy Spirit. If he never does another thing, he is still worthy of praise. If everything here goes to hell in the handbasket, he's still worthy of praise. If my life doesn't end up looking like it did, but I have his presence, but I have the person of the Holy Spirit, but I have 
this on the inside of me. If I never get the job, if I never get the wife, if my marriage is never restored, if it never comes together the way that I hope that it would, how many of you know a sure signal that Jesus has truly taken over your life is you can praise him simply because he's worthy, not because of what he's done. Yeah. Come on. What does it look like? <laughs> what we can see here in Acts chapter 2, can we? Man, they just gather together and they have committed themselves. What does it look like when a church decides we're just going to commit ourselves? We're going to commit the preaching to being about the Holy Spirit, to being about Jesus, to being about God, that we're going to keep the world on the peripheral the way that Paul said to keep the world on the peripheral, and we're going to chase after the things of God. That's great that this is going on over here. This is bad that this is going on over here, but we are going to chase after the things of God, and after going after the things of God, we will spill over into the world. Yeah. The world is peripheral, but right now we have a lot of churches. We've got a lot of churches that are gathering that are waiting, that are basking in false ideologies, with false pretenses, with other ideas, whether it's right wing, left wing, America's church has got it all backwards right now. I never read in this verse that Jesus said, go into that, stay in Jerusalem until the right person is in charge. Stay in Jerusalem until the country opens back up. Stay in Jerusalem until the vaccines worldwide. All these other hot topic things. Stay in Jerusalem until it all just burns down. And they go and preach to the survivors of the fallout. I didn't read that. What I read was Jesus' followers dedicating themselves to Jesus' words. And then actually experiencing Jesus' promise. What if that was us today? What if that was us today? What if we decided in this moment that when we come to church, it wouldn't be about whether my song gets played that week. It wouldn't be about how many people are wearing masks and how many aren't. It wouldn't be about whether he yells or Adrian's preaching and she's more quiet. It wouldn't be about these things. Are they going to mention the conflict in Israel? Where do they stand on this? What if we decided that we wanted in Acts chapter 2, that we wanted Pentecost again, that we decided within ourselves that we have one resignation, and that is to bend the knee to the word of God, to what he said. I resign my opinions. I resign my expectations. I resign my thoughts. I resign my ideals. I lay Matt down, and I pick up my cross, and I wait on the Lord. See what happened when they waited on the Lord. The Lord is what I believe could happen when we decide to wait on the Lord. Because how often, how often do we decide we're going to wait on the Lord and then we decide 24 hours was enough? Can you imagine? Acts would be the shortest book in the Bible, okay? Hey, this is out of here. Acts, okay? Acts 1, wait. Acts 2, yeah, I think we're good. Don't matter. We stayed, we waited. 
What if we stay? What if we waited? What if we resigned ourselves to deciding that we don't budge our expectations until we see Him? What if we decided that we don't just abandon the church because we got some preachers out here who are doing things they shouldn't be, because we see Christians not living out certain things in the gospel that we feel like they should? What if we resigned ourselves to saying, I'm going to stick it out with the church because Jesus told me to? Yeah. I'm going to stay in this city because Jesus told me to. I'm going to come to this city because Jesus told me to. I'm going to commit myself to this house because Jesus told me to. I'm going to stay in my marriage even though she stepped out on me because Jesus told me to. I'm going to pray for my kid even though they're living lifestyles and running away that I don't agree with. I'm going to commit because Jesus told me to. Yeah. I'm going to raise this child up in the way they should go. Why? Jesus told me to. Yes. So what happens when you actually do what Jesus told you to do. Your biggest enemy, your biggest enemy actually isn't going to be the devil in hell. It's going to be your own patience. Right. Your biggest enemy. I've been in a room with 12 people before, okay? been in a room with a lot of teenagers for 24 hours one time, okay? Actually, multiple times. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh! The church could not be big enough. And I had a responsibility to be there. So I couldn't really go for it. But I've been there. And I know what it's like to wait on the Lord, and I know what it's like to put myself in a single place and decide this is where I'm going to be, this is where I'm going to raise my family, this is what I'm going to do, until I see God's will come about in this situation, in this church, in this city, and in my life. Guess what happens for these boys, for these girls? Heaven's agent of change entered that home. Yeah. Heaven's agent for change entered that room. Heaven's agent for change entered that room. And friends, when he entered that room, when the Holy Spirit entered that room, there was something in that house that's just like right now. There was the tangible. There was the thickness of the air. It's not germs. It's not COVID. It's not the flu. It's not because this is a basement. It's musty, okay? It's not any of those things. What you are feeling, whether it's damp, whether it's heavy, Maybe you're sweating. It's all orchestrated. It's in this room right now because God was moving, because his people were expecting, because we were listening to the words of Jesus. Yes. Heaven's agent is in this room right now. And so while we're out here looking for an agent for change, Whether that's in the media, to your spouse, to your last sexual experience, to your drugs, it's in whether the finances are there or not. While we're human and we're sitting here and we're waiting for all these things to change, to go our way, and just for the dice to roll up seven, 
We're waiting for the chips to come up red. We're waiting for the lottery. We're waiting for something just to go our way finally. Jesus is asking his church,
It's all available right here at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And I can't even believe that I'm preaching this message right now. Jesus meant? Onlookers are looking, they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible tells us they're from like eight different areas. Okay? There's onlookers going, yeah, we're here because we get it. You're, you're waiting to see what Jesus would happen. And there was scoffers and there was commentators and there was all these things standing around. There's doubters and, and they're all going, wait, 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 wait. That guy's Jewish. He shouldn't be speaking my language. And if he is speaking my language, he shouldn't speak in my, my dialect that clear. What is going on here? And then we got other people who are going, they're drunk. They're drunk. They must have new wine. And even what the Bible says, they must have new wine. The mockers, the scoffers, the world has always looked at the church and not understood us. Yeah. That's good. Why are we fighting to be understood yeah. when we should be fighting to see hell? Decrease and heaven increase. Why are we fighting for? Understand me. Accept us. Welcome us in. Jesus himself said, Yo, they hate me, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you even more because you're going to proclaim to come in my name, have my power, and do these amazing miracles. And they're going to be like, Psh, You ain't Jesus. Who died and made you Lord, Lord, and King of Kings? They're going to hate you because you're human. Because you're doing the miraculous. They're going to hate you because you have the name Christian attached to you. Did you know the world believes that Christ is Jesus' last name? Yes. Legit. People actually believe that. Like, Christ isn't a surname. Can we, just, can we just clarify that right now? Like, Christ isn't. If Jesus had a last name, it would be Jesus Bar Joseph. Right? That's how it worked back then? Simon Bar-Jonah, Jesus Bar-Joseph. That would be Jesus' name. Christ is his mantle. Christ is his calling. Christ is who he is. Christ is his assignment. Christ literally means anointed one. And so when the onlookers, the scoffers in Acts chapter 2, end up calling us Christians, it was made to mock us, by the way. Oh, those are Christians. They're just little Christ's. A little ridiculous, a little up there in the room in their church on Sunday praying to a God who's mythological and believing like their words are going up into the ether and actually going to change something here. They're nonsense. Yeah, we went from being followers of the way to little anointed ones. Christian, little Christ? I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. Jesus knew this. God of the universe, no matter what form he comes to you, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he ain't dumb. <laughs> Wait here. Wait here and just see what happens. You trusted me this far. What happens is true. What happens is correct. And what happens is anointed. Because suddenly we go from followers of the way to little anointed Ones. Friends, can I tell you this morning that little anointed one doesn't mean uh, little hindered one. Wow. 
Little anointed one doesn't mean, yes, some of your prayers are going to be answered, but not all of them, because you're not actually the Christ. You're just a little Christ. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 Our God doesn't withhold. Never has. It's not his character. Right. I'm not seeing it come about. Heaven is. Heaven is. Friends, we live in a time and place. Get this today. Why this is so hard for the church to accept. Why Acts chapter 2 is so hard to believe. While this moment, what happened in this room this morning, is so hard to take on and lean into and expect is because we are Americans and we live in a Western civilization. Now, what does that mean? That means that we are a people. We don't even acknowledge that the supernatural exists. We don't even recognize that there is a spiritual realm. We are the only people, the Western world. You go to the Eastern world, someone's depressed, someone's sick, someone's convulsing, someone's bipolar, something's going on, all these things that we would choose to inoculate and sedate, they are going to witch doctors, they are going to chemists, they are going to people who proclaim to have some sort of spiritual notoriety, familiarity, in hopes of a remedy for what plagues them. They are going and doing rain dances and standing on their head for healing to come, okay? That's the Eastern world. Yet here in the Western world, which Jesus is an Eastern, okay? Here in the Western world, we have foregone the supernatural. There should be mystery in this relationship, but we don't like mystery in our relationships because we're broken, human, and insecure, and we want to be able to control and know our God. If there's not mystery in your relationship with God, chances are you've downgraded him to something you can believe in, not something that he actually is. No. Sorry, I did plan this. But in the Eastern world, this is what they do. This is what they believe. But for you and me, for the Western world, man, someone's depressed, someone's bipolar, someone's convulsing, someone's having all these symptoms. And we will downgrade it to mental illness, and we will inoculate, and we will sedate what God would rather eradicate and liberate. Here in America, the church has decided that we, instead of praying, we, instead of believing, we, instead of speaking to sickness and demanding that it leaves in the mighty name of Jesus, that the broken bone gets healed in the mighty name of Jesus, that the marriage gets mended in the mighty name of Jesus, that, that the spirit of conniving and of deception leaves in the name of Jesus, that suicide dies in the mighty name of Jesus, we have decided that we are more comfortable inoculating and sedating what God would rather eradicate and liberate. Friends, one of the things that we don't recognize, but Acts 2 very clearly puts out, because Paul said this, okay? Our war is not against flesh and blood, not against the temporal, but it's about principalities and darkness and heavenly places outside of this. We don't even acknowledge it. Do you realize that Genesis doesn't say, in the beginning, God made heaven and earth? No, no, no. 
It says in the beginning, God made heaven and then earth. Do you get that? That means that the created and known world only exists after the created and unknown world. That means that there is something outside of this that every other culture in the world acknowledges, understands, and gets, but they don't have any power against it or for it or with it. And yet the Christians here in America, we're sitting here going, why are Africa on fire with revival? Why are things happening in Denmark that aren't happening here? Why are things happening in Uganda like miracles and foots growing out and all these things? And what is happening here? I promise I have an end game in mind here. Roman speed of the Bible. In fact, we're just going to be Friends, I'm so convicted right now. I'm so convicted right now. The Holy Spirit is the most needed part of our message, that the Holy Spirit is the most needed thing in this room right now, that right now you might have questions, park those questions at the door to the upper room and just wait for Jesus to move. You may not understand, what do you mean there's two realms, there's two realities, what do you mean that God made space and time, he made matter. He stands outside of all of this. And his game plan for all of this, his end game has always been you and the Holy Spirit. Man, I don't, I don't want to speak in tongues. And say you had to. You want to know God's plans for your life? Yeah. Tongues like get there faster. I don't want to speak in tongues. You don't have to. You don't have to go to heaven either if you don't want to. The tongues will bring heaven here. See, because what ends up happening after this is we see the church birth. We see the bride of Christ birthed in this moment. And somehow, along the way, because we couldn't wrap our heads around all the mysteries, because we couldn't understand all of the complexities, because we could not put God in our man-made image idea and box to understand Him, we stopped chasing after the things of God. We stopped pursuing Him the way that He told us to wait, to pursue Him. When Jesus said stay, He was really saying, pursue me. Pursue me. Jesus, how can we do that? You're leaving. No, 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 there's another me. There's three of me. Pursue me. Wait for me. My presence is going before you. My presence is going to come on you. The Holy Spirit, when He shows up, He is going to seal you. He is going to rapture you. He is going to change you. And He is going to preeminate every single part of your being. Friends, in Genesis, God says that we made them in our image and likeness, male 
and female. Made them in our image and likeness. There's a Greek word, imago day. Have you ever heard it? Imago day. Imago day literally means the image of God. The image of God. Friends, there's more happening right now that you have an assignment for than you have ever began to perceive. There's prayers in heaven is waiting for you to lift up so that your neighbors, so that your friends can finally live bondage free. There are demons. I can't believe I'm going here. There are demons in your lives. I'm not saying necessarily like in you, but around you and the people around you. There are fallen spirits. Like Jesus is like, man, if my Imago day would just open their mouth, that would leave that person. If my Imago day would just show up, the picture for their life would get a lot more clear. If my image in the earth would just show up and take me at my word and decide that yes, there are some things that I cannot comprehend and understand this side of heaven. But God, if you said it's for me, then by God it is for me. If you rescued Jesus from the pits of hell, if you raised him up, if you defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave, I will pursue this at all costs. Father, if you're saying Jesus was the beginning of your redemption plan for your Imago day, then the Holy Spirit was the completion of that redemption plan for your Imago day. If it's the Holy Spirit that restores your image in this earth, then I will take it with all the mysteries and all the weirdness and all the complexities and I will resign myself to believing what you have said over what I've experienced.
in this place. And maybe you've heard an amazing anointing song. Maybe you've heard somebody just play something that spoke right to your spirit in the situation. And you've heard a preacher preach a message that just lit your bones on fire. And you've heard these things. But you've never left a church service before. If you've never left a moment with Jesus before. If you've never left a moment where you set it apart to simply be with God before. Where your phone, where your bones being on fire was your new reality. I wish you just raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. No one's judging. There's hands up all over this place. That's you. Let's change. 